0: Hello, my friends. This is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Let me start off with an apology. Just a couple of days ago, I uploaded a Your Daily Drive podcast to this network. We have two podcast network platforms, and, well, I thought I was on one, and I was on the other, and so I uploaded Your Daily Drive to this one. I'm going to eventually delete it. I'm going to take it off because it is sitting on our Your Daily Drive platform as it should. Here's my tip of the day. There's no such thing as multitasking, meaning you can't do multiple things at the same time. Now, you can have multiple things in front of you, and you can think you're doing multiple things at the same time, but all you're doing is flipping from this to that and jumping to that and the other. And when you work in a fast-paced environment as i do there are so many wonderful glorious demands that that come across my desk and sometimes i act as though i can do all of this stuff at one time and i end up making a lot of mistakes and i do make a lot of mistakes uh, my team can verify that there's not I don't think there's a day that goes by where I don't mess up something but we just have a lot going on for the glory of God and for that I am quite thankful so I uploaded a Your Daily Drive podcast/article slash article to the Life Over Coffee network I will be taking that down because it is over on the Your Daily Drive network now if you haven't subscribed to both Please do that, and if you haven't written that five-star review yet, please go on uh, the podcast platform that you listen to and give us a nice five-star a review and just say something uh, because it does help us algorithmically. It helps us organically to grow, and we want to reach many people with the practical message of Christ. This is episode 284, and I want to talk about a culture war. We are in a culture war, there is no question about it, and it is a full on, full frontal assault. And because of this, uh, in 2020, I... I made a shift in the type of resources that we uh, put out into the public space. Historically, I would say that 98% of our resources are evergreen. What I mean by evergreen, meaning you can read it today, you could read it 100 years from now, because it's not time-dated. It's not speaking about a specific issue that happened at a point in time. But similar to Scripture, Scripture is evergreen. It was good 2,000 years ago, and it's good today because it's not time-dated content. But in 2020, I decided to give more of a blend because I've never been more aware in my entire life that we are in a cultural war. We always have been. The enemy has been with us and active since Genesis 3.6. But he seems to be in an accelerated mode over uh, the past year, I would say, and maybe more than that, but at least it's enough to where I have made a, a resource shift, a worldview shift and the kind of content that we're putting out there. By the grace of God, I will always be producing evergreen content because I want it to be out there forever so that it will apply to people long after I am gone. But we're also living in a real world, in real time, where things are happening, and Christians are asking lots of questions about the things that are happening today. And while you all have been quite appreciative of the evergreen content that we produce, you also have been asking me a lot of questions about how to live in this upside-down world. And so because of that, we've been adding more resources to our diet that we've been pushing out there that are, again, time-dated, and that's what this episode is about. I want to talk about transgenderism in this episode and though and this is what I want you to hear I want you to, I want you to hear this clearly that though transgenderism is a small percentage of people it is an ideology that sits on top of a humongous iceberg designed to fracture the culture destroy conservative values and promote ideas that are blatantly against God and his word and so when you think of transgenderism more than likely I mean most of you are thinking well I mean who is that what who who are those people? if you're my age, you know that well it's always been a small number of people and it still is in a sense a small percentage of people But again this is what I want you to hear it, it is it is part of a much bigger fabric. I talked about it as as an iceberg. It is the tip of a humongous iceberg, and that iceberg is designed to fracture our culture, to destroy conservative values, and to promote ideas that are blatantly against God and his word. And not seeing it, not understanding this problem, while not redemptively reacting to it, it's not an option for you and me any longer we must educate ourselves about what is going on in our culture. And again, this is one of the reasons that we have we, made this shift this year, because what will happen and what is happening is that the, not just the conservative values that we have enjoyed in this country, but the Christocentric values, the bibliocentric values that sit on top of it all. It is our bibliocentric values and lifestyle that we we have enjoyed so much freedom in, in sharing the gospel. and there's been so much missional advancement, in part because of the country in which we live in. And so at the very top, our our christocentric, Values a redeemed people, people who love God's word, and under that is a conservative culture that permits us to to go out and with freedom, freedom of speech, to communicate the gospel of Christ. But underneath our conservative country is a a liberal world that is expanding like underneath a, volca- a volcano. And I'm having all kinds of metaphors here, and and it is erupting. And even though this idea of transgenderism is a small percentage of people, again, it is part of a larger culture war that is not only it's not trying to divide the country, it's trying to destroy the country. And those are factual statements because they have said that quite clearly, and I would imagine many of you have heard these things already, that they are out to dismantle America. And therefore, you and I, we, we must educate ourselves, we must mobilize ourselves, and we must seek to turn the tide against these cultural wars. Some of you, most of you, don't have a platform like I have, and I do understand that. And you can't do what I do, and I do I do know that, but you can do something, and that is my appeal to you. No matter what your sphere of influence is, I appeal to you to do something, and so in this episode, I want to talk about transgenderism, but again, it's within the context, the framework of a much bigger idea, and so as you understand the problem of transgenderism as I present it to you, I also want you to never disassociate yourself from this greater idea, which is all of our, all of our problem. And so this is episode 284. The title of it is The Transgender Problem is the Tip of a Larger Iceberg. And so I want to talk about this idea of transgenderism because I have been following it somewhat closely uh, over the past several months. I not The reason that I have been intrigued by it, in large part because I love people, and I, I try to understand the human psyche, the soul. I want to understand a person's soul. It's what I do. It's how I'm wired. It's how God made me. It's just my passion. People ask, you know, what do you what do you do when you have nothing else to do? What do you think about when you have nothing else to think about? I think about people. That's what I do. When I have nothing else to think about, I think about people. I love the human soul. I love the psyche. And, and I love bringing—I I love— the, my hermeneutic, my interpretive filter is is to run the human psyche through uh, the Word of God and to think about it. And so transgenderism has been um, talked about a lot uh, this year, and so therefore my mind would naturally gravitate toward it, and I want to think about it. Now the person on point as far as the transgender problem in our culture today is a lady by the name of Abigail Schreier. You may have heard of her, don't know, but she's written a book called Irreversible Damage, and it is is it it is a book that has created an incredible storm in our culture. I have a link here to Ab- Abigail Schreier where you can read a little bit about her. I also have a link in these show notes, episode 284, where you can uh, go out and get her book titled Irreversible Damage the transgender craze seducing our daughters. I have been listening to that book. I typically listen to a book. Don't like reading books because I have spent the last 12 years staring at a computer. I do have special glasses, blue light glasses that do help, by the way, uh, to help with my eyes. But I have, uh, it's a very tiring process of what I do of staring at a computer upward to 18 hours a day. And so reading a book is not, is not as pleasurable as it used to be, but I do have an option, and I can listen, and so I do listen to a ton of of Audible books, and I have been listening to her book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. I've also been following her, or not following, but uh, I have listened to several podcast interviews uh, where folks have interviewed Abigail Schreier, and that's one of the things you can do, by the way, if you don't know it you can go onto your platform under the search engine of your uh, so of your podcast platform, w- whichever one you listen to. Uh, iTunes or whatever Apple calls theirs, Spotify, Podbean, etc., and you can just search for Abigail Schreier, and you'll find an interview with her, and I would appeal to you uh, to listen to that interview. So therefore, everything that I'm going to share with you today in episode 284 comes from things that I have heard her say. And so I'm not really going to share much of anything here that that I made up uh, that that I uh, built out myself, but these are, I would say, 90% of this are are her thoughts. I am going to uh, share some things from the Bible which she would not share. I don't know if Abigail is a Christian or not. I do know that she believes that the gay lifestyle is okay. She also believes that transition surgery for a, a transgendered person, she believes that is permissible for adults, But she does speak out against teen girls, specifically those who seek transition surgery. And that's why her book, Irreversible Damage, is subtitled, The Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. And so she has perspectives that I do not hold. But nevertheless, uh, she has some wonderful information. And I would appeal to you to listen to an interview or two possibly read or listen to her book Irreversible Damage if you can find it one of the podcasts that I listened to recently said it was sold out and so it is it is that popular and honestly I'm thankful for that I am glad that there are conservative people who may or may not be Christians but yet they are they're moving in a conservative direction because they see what is going on in our culture and for this As Christians, we need to get over ourselves, and what I mean by that is that I'm not suggesting that we compromise our bibliocentric values in any way, shape, or form. But uh, I think it's time that we begin to make alliances and relationships, if you haven't already, uh, because there are people out there who might not name the name of Christ, but yet they're they are helping in this conservative need that we have in the various countries that we, that we live in. And so I'm trying to learn from these people, even though I might not be beholden to everything that they believe, but we can connect at some very important points. The big idea with transgenderism is this idea of gender dysphoria. You have probably heard that label and dysphoria. It, it is really, honestly, dysphoria is it's a Genesis 3-6 problem. When Adam and Eve, after they fell in the garden, their bodies were, their, their body and soul was formed, fallen uh, they begin to notice things that they did not intuit before because they were not present But then after the fall, everything went sideways and they began to experience things that they have never experienced before. A modern term for this is dysphoria. You could call it an internal awkwardness, a person who is just not comfortable inside of themselves. They feel a sense of shame and and guilt and discontentment. They are emotionally uncomfortable with who they are as, as people. And by the way, that describes all of us, we're all born that way. We're all born broken, not totally comfortable in our own skin, feeling a sense of shame and guilt, discontentment, and internal awkwardness. And many times that is even compounded by our shaping influences, those people, those authorities in our life, like our dads and moms and extended family and other people that can shape us in adverse ways. And so we come in a a broken package, and then that package becomes shaped also by our culture and relationships, and it just exacerbates a pre-existing problem that they call gender dysphoria, this confusion, this internal awkwardness. And as far as transgenderism is concerned, it is typically girls, it is typically white girls in middle class who are entering into high school. That is the greatest number of people. There are always those outside of that criteria, girls, white, middle class entering high school. But more times than not, it will be that type of individual. Another trait or characteristic of these people is that they are on social media. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But they're always active on social media. They're also insecure girls, and that's tied to this idea of dysphoria, as I have described it with a, a, a Genesis 3-6 kind of interpretation. And what happens is when they are on social media, and this is not just girls who are thinking about transition therapy, uh, transgenderism, these are all girls, teenage girls, they receive praise. From their social media companions. Now they, the opposite of that is girls that don't receive the likes or girls who are are bullied and then they they do things where we get anorexia and bulimia and suicide. All of those things have spiked over the past decade, but it's because of these insecure girls and there's always this connection that they're tied to social media. Since 2011, there has been an amazing spike among teen girls who believe that they were born in the wrong body type. In 2016 and 2017, teen girls asking for transition surgery quadrupled. That's true. In 2016 to seventeen, these girls is quadrupled. Asking for surgery, the old and one of the reasons we know that this is a contagion among teens, and there's more to it than it's not a biological issue. It's not biological at all because the older population does not fall into these pure contagions. We're not influenced that way and so we know that it's tied to peer pressure we know it's tied to social media we know it's tied to insecurity we know it's tied to these teen girls who spend so much time on social media this is a peer contagion that doesn't affect other people groups and that's why there's been a quadrupling in 2016 and 17. it's nearly always teens who look to the culture for solutions The culture tells them that they are correct and they they should be boys. I wrote an article a number of years ago titled, It's Okay to Be Gay and You Need to Know Why. And the point of that article was is that there are now at least two generations that have grown up in a culture, a social media culture, that tells them it's okay to be a certain way. And when I say uh, the title of that article, It's Okay to Be Gay, and you need to know why the word okay is in is in quotation marks, because I obviously do not mean it's okay, but when you are told it is okay over and over again, and so you see the connection. These kids are on, on social media, and the culture are like evangelists, and they are evangelized these girls, and they are telling them that they are not born in the right body, and they, they are the influencers. And another reason that these girls, girls fall more for this than boys do, that there's a spike among teenage girls than boys, is because girls' tendency is to be empathetic. And what I mean by empathetic is they will take on a friend's pain. And they will even distort reality to make their friend feel better. Boys aren't like this, by and large. Boys will say if a boy came to you and he was struggling with X, Y, Z, you, 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 hey, let's go shoot some hoops. Boys aren't empathetic. They don't jump in the swamp with the girls, and they both, and they both drown. And so. This is one of the reasons, tied to the other reasons that I've been sharing with you thus far, that a girl will fall into this trap because they are more feeling-centered, they're more empathetic. They call it affirmative therapy. Affirmative therapy where you affirm the person. You start with the conclusion. The conclusion is, I feel like I am a boy. And so you affirm them, and then you work backward to solve the problem. That is the worst kind of counseling that you can do. By the way, biblical counsel, many biblical counselors do this, especially in the area of victimology, where they do what the culture calls affirmative therapy. They start with a conclusion— believe all women, and then they work backward without doing proper investigation. Therefore, they don't bring proper solutions. And if the kid if the kid says they don't like their gender, then the affirmative care therapist agrees and then begins mapping out a plan to change. Now, part of the issue here, there's something else tied to here. It's a little more complex than just the problem with affirmative therapy, which is a big enough problem in itself, but a part of the issue here is that folks are afraid to speak against what the teen is saying. And this idea is also tied to conversion therapy, where you counsel a, a gay person out of the gay lifestyle, and that's called conversion therapy. And conversion therapy and, and affirmative therapy are, are tied in, in that you can't counsel a gay person out of the lifestyle because, well, you could lose your license you there could be litigation involved and so if a person is confused in their gender or conversion therapy both of those things blend into one worldview it's becoming a litig a litigious matter uh, to where you can't even talk about it and so you're kind of you're you're kind of strapped as far as helping them in the first place. And so you begin with affirmative therapy where you start with the what they're saying and then you map out a plan to change. You're also self-censoring yourself because you're afraid to speak out against it. And then there are litigious matters if you do speak out against it. One of the other bigger issues here that I've uh, alluded to already is that these kids do take their kit, uh, cues from social media These children don't know American history, or they don't know current political issues, but they can tell you who is famous on social media, and they can tell you the kind of music that they play. You can test my thesis. All you have to do is ask a teenager about a pop music icon. And they will more than likely be able to tell you who this icon is and the the, the albums that they've produced or the songs that they have have written. But then if you ask them about political views, like, hey, what's your thoughts on moving the embassy to Jerusalem? They wouldn't know how to articulate that. But again, the point here is that they're influencers, are social media influencers if you talk to them about socialism they say yeah socialism's good because we all need to be social this is not hyperbole here i mean they are heavily influenced by social media and when you get on social media and you're an insecure person well then you're looking for acceptance and, and guess Guess what the new badge of acceptance is in today's culture? Is to identify as a woke person. If you identify as a woke person, you get the badge of acceptance and you're insecure already. A woke person is a person who identifies with the historical victim classes. You identify with the black and the gay and the lesbian and the tra- trans and the Latino and, and whatever these, these victim classes have been, and there are things that we need to do uh, to help these victim classes, but the woke ideology is not the way to do it. But as soon as you come out as gay or trans, you move up the intersectional pyramid and you find acceptance. Acceptance. Intersectionalism is the crossroad where the victim classes meet, and the more categories that you fit into, the more accepted you become. It doesn't take courage to to come out of anything today. Back in the day, in my day, it took a lot of courage to come out as gay or as a transgendered person. Today, it is a badge of acceptance, and so the insecure girl who comes out as trans receives a ton of acceptance from the culture. It's the fruit of the self-esteem education over the past 50 years as a broken soul continues to crave acceptance from broken solutions. And then within our public school system, this idea of gender identity education is mandatory in some states like California, and you can't opt out of this teaching because what they did is they placed this mandatory teaching into their anti-bully curriculum, not their sex education curricula. You can opt out of sex education curricula, but you can't out of anti-bully, and that's what they did, and it was quite not just devious, but it was ingenious, and so now As a five-year-old going into kindergarten where uh, the teachers now tell the kids that the doctor did not know their gender and he had to mark one of two gender options, but only you can figure out if you are a boy or a girl. And if the parents resist this legislated education, there could be legal action against the parents. Conservative teachers or conservative minded people, whether they're Christian or not, they will lose their jobs if they speak out. And so they censor themselves. And even the liberal parent struggles with what's happening to their girls. Now that is a positive, by the way. Those who have historically been on the far left, they are now opposing the values of their own people because they are scared to death at what this kind of teaching is teaching their liberal children. And so the so called these so called expert influencers, they will treat any parent, conservative or liberal, they'll treat them as, as bigots. And these influencers on social media like Snapchat, TikTok, and, and Instagram, they know how to interact with the children outside of the parent's oversight. They teach them how to order compression bras, for example, and to be able to receive those without their parents ever knowing it. They teach their children legal prerogatives that if their parents resist what they want to do this is a culture war and part of how these things have happened is because you see these liberal parents were less skeptical of their causes and now they are they're shocked and alarmed and so they had the door open conservatives we conservatives have never thought this way we never operated in good faith when it came to liberal causes but these liberal parents did and some of them will talk about They will even describe themselves as politically homeless now because they don't have any place to go. And so this transgender gender problem is part of the culture war. Some of you remember hearing Joe Biden at one of his debates or whatever that was, when he was pandering to a mom who asked about her eight-year-old daughter, who was not comfortable with her gender, and Joe was making a political point to demonstrate his, his wokeness. And so if you, you, you could think of the trans problem, if you could think of the trans problem in an isolated way, well that would be one thing it would also be a terrible mistake because it's a piece of a larger fabric there is a multi-front assault on conservative values and it's time for us as i've said we need to mobilize if your child says they're in the wrong body the first thing to do is not to overreact that is one extreme. And one of the ways that a parent would overreact is they'll start hormone therapy and transition therapy immediately. The other extreme, but overreaction, is by not doing anything. You must do something. And I would appeal to you to see who and what is influencing your child. Have you given your child a mobile phone? Why did you do that? You need to talk about that. How has your home environment contributed to a child desiring to isolate? If you have an isolating child, why is that? What are some things that you need to change? If we can help you with this, I would first appeal to you to read the show notes and the embedded article in this episode. And then if you can and, and desire, you're welcome to talk to us on our community forums. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I know it's heavy, but it's something that we all need to address.